Hey, Bridget, check out my new invention. It's a piggy bank that tells stories. Ooh, how does it work? Well, every penny that you put in gives you the next word in a story. Watch. Once upon a time, unicorns. Eh, not a matter of coins. Oh, that's cool. But it's kind of a lot of work to get a story. Uh, what made you think of this? Well, you know when you spend a dollar on something that costs 99 cents? I was just trying to figure out a good use for all the pennies people get back. Oh, that's clever. How much do you have in there? Remember, you do owe me some money. Huh, so I'll need to open it. Where's my football helmet? Whoa, why are you putting on all that protective gear? The other thing I did with this bank was uh, make it really hard to open up. Halt, intruder! Welcome back, Jed. Shall I remind you of what happened last time you tried to get money out? Story time's over, Piggytron. Let's do this! Wow, that thing is mean. Forget it, Jed. It's not worth it. It's Million Bazillion. I'm Jed. I'm Bridget, and we're here to help dollars make more sense. Today's episode is a really good one, and it is also the last one in our season. So quick reminder, you can get on our email list at marketplace.org bonus. And you'll want to do that because we've got a newsletter, and you'd also be the first to know what's next for Million Bazillion. Okay, I think it's time we get back to the show, right? Yep, and we've got a doozy of a question to answer. Here it is. Hi, my name is Eli. I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I want to know why some places are 99 cents instead of $1. Because why would they give you one cent for change? This is such a great question because it's one of those things that I totally just took for granted. Yeah, tons of prices end in 99 cents. Don't even bat an eyelash at it. Despite the fact that it's totally weird. Totally weird. But it turns out there's a very interesting reason it exists. It all has to do with the way our brains work when we're shopping. We'll explain more about that after this. And now it's time for asking random kids not-so-random questions. Today's question is, if you could invent a product that would make being a kid easier, what would it be? It would be making a robot that would do all my chores. Making a replica of myself. Something for kids to uh, drive cars. You would have to spray it on your parents and they would do whatever you'd say. I would invent something that could make me invisible so that I can just be really amazing at hide and seek. Something that I would invent that would make being a kid easier is a levitating backpack. So I don't have to carry around my stuff and it won't be as heavy. That was Roman in Michigan, Sophia in Maryland, Annabelle and Lucinda in France, and Daniel and Amel in California. This has been asking random kids not-so-random questions. Today we're answering Eli's question about why so many prices end in 99 cents. We looked into it. And we've got some great answers coming up for you. One thing we couldn't figure out, though, is how 99-cent pricing began. A lot of times when something started a long time ago, we don't have historical records that say, this is how it began. There are a lot of theories out there, some of which are pretty fun. Tonight, 
the mystifying origin of the 99 cent price tag. Its use is widespread throughout America, but how did it begin? Here are two actual ideas that people have come up with to explain it. Number one. It's 1875, and the Chicago Daily News begins printing newspapers. The price? One cent. But most people aren't carrying pennies in their pockets, so the newspaper's owners convince local stores to drop their prices by one cent. That leaves shoppers with the penny they need to buy a newspaper. And that's how 99-cent prices began. Or was it? Number two. It's more than 100 years ago, and shopkeepers have a problem. Their sneaky clerks are pocketing dollar bills instead of putting them into the cash drawer. So the store owners come up with an idea. Stop using flat dollar amounts for prices. That means customers will always get some coins back. Then, all the store owners have to do is sit back and listen for the clink of coins hitting the cash drawer. That sound tells them the money is going where it's supposed to. We've offered you two theories. Was it one of these ideas that led to the prices we know today? Or was it something completely different? You be the judge. We may never know what actually began the 99-cent price thing, but one thing's for sure. It's not going anywhere. And that's because it's a super effective trick that's used to get us to buy things. It has to do with what's known as consumer behavior. That means the way shoppers or consumers behave when shopping. So how they decide what they're going to buy. We spoke with an expert about it. My name is Manoj Thomas. Um, I'm a professor at Cornell University. And I study consumer behavior. I study the kind of things people buy. I study why they buy it and what makes them buy it. Manoj says that changing the price of something from, say, $2 to $1.99 makes us think the price is cheaper, not just by that one cent, by a lot more. So as you all know, when we read things, we read things from left to right. And when we are reading prices also, we start reading prices from left to right. And our brains are really, really smart, really brilliant brains. So as we read from left to right, we start making judgments even before we complete reading. I see a dollar and 99 cents even before I finish reading the 99 cents and make sense of how big or low, small the price is, my judgment is anchored on the dollar value. And I feel, oh, it's about a dollar, something more than a dollar. That first number is really important. That's why you might see $19.99 instead of $20. You see the number one first, and you've already decided it's cheaper than it actually is. This trick works really well on our brains, which is kind of weird because, I mean, right now you're just sitting there, you're probably thinking, $19.99, not that different from $20. Manoj says a lot of people think they're too smart to be fooled by this. Oh, this affects only people who do not know math. I'm very good at math. I don't fall prey to this. And from all the data that we have seen, that is not true. In fact, I would even go far as to venture that people who are very good at math because their brain kind of works too fast, they're probably more susceptible to this. Basically, when you're really good with numbers, your brain reads them really quickly. So you skim and skip ahead, and that's where this trick gets you. 
Can you imagine, like, being more easily fooled because you're better at math? Now, some of you may be thinking, but what about the penny that stores miss out on by pricing things like this? Aren't they potentially losing money? Manoj says it's a minor sacrifice they make to get a whole lot more. Like, if there's a store that's selling a notebook for $2, but decides to charge $1.99 instead. It's losing one cent on the notebook, right? But if the $1.99 appears much smaller than $2, and it appears like a big deal, then more people are likely to buy the notebook, and they will buy more notebooks. So overall, the money that they make will be much more than the money they're going to lose by pricing it a cent lower. Eli, you asked why so many prices end in 99 cents. The answer is, it has to do with what stores know about the way our brains work when we're shopping. That's something they study because they want to make the most money possible. Coming up, we're going to tell you the story of someone who tried to make shopping much clearer and simpler, only to have it backfire. And we're back, because there's more to Eli's question than a simple answer about our brains reading left to right. We've already told you about the prices ending in 99 cents thing. Now let's talk about another really effective tactic. Sales. Yeah, see, our brains just love a good discount. So much that they can get a little silly about them. Jed, how do you feel when you see a sale? Oh, man, my brain gets so excited. And then I stop thinking clearly. I just want to buy things because I feel like I'm getting a really great deal. And then I spend a whole bunch of money. I know that feeling. Here's what's happening. The truth is, we shoppers tend to have a hard time understanding why things cost what they do. So say, for example, you're looking at a shirt in a department store, and the price tag says $12. And what a nice shirt. I am 12 bucks. I'm a steal. Okay, yep. Seems legit. Okay, now picture another shirt, but this one is $45. Uh, yeah, and worth every penny. I'm a shirt who knows my worth. Can you really tell me why one is worth $45 and the other is worth $12? Hmm, maybe it's better quality? Like, maybe the pricier one is made of fancy cotton? Or it's guaranteed not to shrink in the wash? It could be, yeah. But it's probably hard to really know just by looking at the shirt on the rack. But what happens is our brains will sometimes assume that the one with the higher price tag must be a nicer shirt because they must be charging us for something, right? So now, what if that $45 shirt is on sale for $20? More than half off? Oh, that's a great deal. Maybe I should get two. Why not get three of me? One in every color. But you could also just buy the $12 shirt. It looks like a perfectly good shirt. Well, thank you. I am perfectly good. And it still costs less than the one that was on sale for $20. Yeah, but if I buy the more expensive shirt on sale, I'm getting a high-quality shirt and I'm not paying $45 for it. Oh, yeah. You're actually saving $25. It's almost criminal to sell me solo. Well, that is your brain on discounts, Jed, because that's just another way of saying I'm spending $20 instead of 12 Hmm. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> And here's another thing. There's a chance that the store always knew it wasn't going to sell you that shirt at $45. They were 
always going to try to sell it to you for $20. But when you see the original price is $45, you get really excited to buy it for that lower price. And you're not thinking about whether the now $20 shirt is actually worth the extra 8 bucks you're paying because you didn't buy the $12 shirt. Oh, they got me. We should make sales illegal. Well, actually... There really was a store like that. They tried to get rid of sales. I'm not going to name any names, but they were all like, Sayonara, sales! From now on, we're going to start pricing everything off at its actual low, low price. Our customers don't need sales stickers. They'll just know we're giving them quality merchandise at a decent cost. No more fake news discounts. No more tricks. We'll become the most popular store of all time. Ah, and uh, is that what happened? Nope. Oh. What the? Where is everybody? My stores are empty. Customers kind of stopped buying from them. Turns out we want to see that sale price next to the higher original price that we didn't have to pay. That's how we know that we're getting a good deal for our money. The whole plan flopped. The store had to bring sales back. Mm, I guess we kind of like to be tricked then. But maybe this all makes sense. I mean, we spend a lot of time thinking about how to be smart with our money. It makes sense that our brains are always looking for ways to do that. I mean, it's a tough world out there for a guy who just wants to spend his money wisely. And, you know, it's okay owning 13 jump ropes he bought on sale. I feel so much smarter about how stores set their prices and how my brain responds to them. I'm going to be a great shopper now. Think of all the money I'm going to save. You want to try out some of your new powers? Let's go to a store and watch you resist buying as much as you can. All right, I mean, I've got a free hour. Okay, here's a grocery store. Let's check it out. Not so fast. Ah, was she there before? I've been watching you both, and I'm here to warn you, don't Go inside that grocery store. Why not? You think you've mastered the mind games that stores play on you to get you to buy more? You have no idea. 99 cent pricing and sales are just the start. What are you talking about? We're smart shoppers. We're not scared. If you go in there, there's going to be... There's going to be... Okay, look. I'll just say it. Music! Well, yeah, I mean, who doesn't like a little background music when they're shopping, am am I right? No, the music is going to be chosen based on what will get you to shop more. They do studies! What do you mean? Who's they? The stores, the retailers, the people who run them. And they know exactly how the music playing in a store or restaurant can change your spending behavior. Flower shops play romantic music to get you to buy flowers. Restaurants play fast music to get you to hurry up and eat. Grocery stores play slower music so that you linger. And think about throwing a few more things in your cart. No way. I am not going to be tricked by adult contemporary. Not again, at least. And then you think you're in there to buy one little thing, but you have to walk all the way through the store. They did that on purpose. Oh, come on. Maybe they just want us to get our steps in. Oh, yes, it's steps they want. More like they want you to walk through as many aisles as possible so you'll see something you wouldn't have bought and just think, 
Well, while I'm here... Don't fall for it. I never go off list, unless it's something I really need. But while you're looking ahead, pushing your humongous cart, they're coming at you from all sides. I'm talking about the shelves. <gasps> Not the... Wait a second, what does that even mean, the shelves? Their stores are very crafty about how they stack their shelves. Look at the second and third ones from the top. That's right about eyeline for most grown-ups. First thing they see. And those items get bought more often, so stores will put the more expensive version of something right there. Some brands even pay money to the stores so the products get that super special shelf space. Has a what? No. And a little lower down, right at the eye line for kids. Those are where they put stuff that kids want. So then the kids see it and say, Mom, Dad, Nana, get this for me. It was a trap the whole time. Oh, my. What? I knew it. No, I didn't. But I do now. They call it eye level is buy level. And then comes the worst part. The checkout line. They make you stand in a little narrow space waiting forever and ever. And you're just surrounded by these little things to buy. Things that feel handy but small. You probably wouldn't have thought to get it, but then you see it there. What's the harm? Just toss it into your basket. Oh. Suddenly all those mini sunblocks that Bridget always gets when she leaves a store make sense. Ted, you know I burn easily, and those little bottles just clip so well to my bag, see? Hmm. Maybe we shouldn't go into that store today. Yeah, let's, uh, let's go to your house and try to get all those pennies out of that piggy bank you invented instead. Thanks. Oh, yes, you've heeded my warning. Great. Hi, I'm Maricela in New York City with some extra fun facts for today's show. Did you know pennies used to be a lot bigger? America's original penny was almost the size of today's half dollar coin, but it was so big that it was hard to use and later replaced with a smaller penny, the one we know today. Pretty cool, right? I know some people really have it in for in-store music, but I gotta say, music is bumping. Let's listen to some as we get ready to head out for the season. Oh, that's my jam. Dancing? Really? Okay, listeners. Today we've learned about consumer behavior. It's something that a lot of people study, including a lot of stores. They've learned a lot of really effective tricks to make us more willing to give them our money. Yeah, and while some of the tricks might not work on you, others probably will. For example, I am a total sucker for sales. Check out line impulse buys? Not so much. As you go into stores and do some shopping, pay attention to the things that catch your eye and that you can't help wanting to get. Is there a consumer behavior trick that's working its charms on you? The better you know yourself as a shopper, the better prepared you'll be to spend your money the way you want. And this music is awesome, but now I really kind of want to buy something. Ooh, I wonder if there are any sales. Thank you for listening to Million Bazillion, where we help dollars make more sense. This 
was our season finale episode. Thank you for listening and sending us your questions. We're still figuring out our next season, but if you sign up for our newsletter, you'll be the first to know when there's more Million Bazillion ready for you. Get your name on the list at marketplace.org slash bonus. In the meantime, keep sending us the money questions you want answered, the money skills you want to learn, the money problems or mysteries you want solved. Send those to us at our website, marketplace.org slash million. This episode, we want to thank Kimberly Adams, Chris Julin, Christina Lopez, Melody Perkins, Danny Robles, Allison Vermeulen, Becca Weidman, and Catherine Winter for lending us their voices. And this season, we want to thank our family and friends who helped us along the way. I want to thank Eloise and Elliot for lending us their voices, my parents for letting me record in their basement, and Megan and Bruce for being the absolute best. And I want to thank Chris, Zuzu, Mimi, and Patricia for all their support. And a big thanks to our colleagues at Marketplace and APM who helped us every step of the way. Million Bazillion is brought to you by Marketplace in collaboration with Brains On and American Public Media. I'm your host, Jed Kim. The senior producer is my co-host, Bridget Bodner. Marissa Cabrera is our producer. Sandin Totten is our editor. Chris Julin is our sound designer. Our theme music was created by Wonderly. This episode was mixed by Becca Weinman, and our digital team includes Erica Phillips and Tony Wagner. Sotara Nieves is the executive director of On Demand at Marketplace. And special thanks to the people who provided the startup funding for Million Bazillion and who continue to help keep us going, the Ranzetta Family Charitable Fund and NextGen Personal Finance, supporting Marketplace's work to make younger audiences smarter about the economy. To all the grown-ups listening right now, we hope that you and the kids in your life are having some good conversations about money thanks to Million Bazillion. We created this podcast to help kids get an early start on learning about the economy. And to keep it going, we're counting on your support. Donate today at marketplace.org slash give million. And thanks for chipping in to make our work possible. Goodbye. Goodbye.